Psalm 108, beginning of verse 1. Let's hear God's word. A song, a psalm of David. O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awake in the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I will triumph. Who will bring me into the strong city? He will lead me to Edom. Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God, we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. <clears throat> All right, well, as we begin here today, I want you to think of the times where you can't sleep. Now, many times it's because we are stressed about something, we are concerned about something maybe at our family or at work or whatever. Uh, maybe it's some health issue that's keeping us from resting well. Uh, sometimes we lay in bed and eventually fall asleep. Sometimes we fall asleep and wake up and can't get back to sleep. I think we've probably all been there at some point in time. But I also want us to think about this. At some point, we do fall asleep, and we awake with a new perspective, with a new thought, with a better perspective, you might say. Well, with this in mind, we come here to Psalm 108. And Psalm 108 is um, kind of an interesting psalm, you might say, because it's a combination of things, as we'll see. But as we begin, let us turn here to Palmer Robertson's handout, and hopefully you have one with you. I think there's still some in the back near Eric. And um, uh, as we begin with this first page, as I've done now several times, let's review the message of the Psalms. Because the better we understand the whole message, the better we'll understand an individual psalm. And remember, these five books here that we have in the Psalter are given to us in the text. It's not something we're imposing. So book one then, Psalms 1 to 41, are focusing on David being established as king, Psalm 2, right, there in Zion. But there's a lot of opposition. And so Palmer Robertson uses the term confrontation here. Now there are other themes, but this is the broad one that connects everything together. Then, in book 2, Psalms 42 to 72, there's still opposition to David as king, but he is more established. And now the focus has an outward focus. We're talking not just, you might say, in-house and to ourselves, but we're spreading the truths of the scriptures to the nations, to those outside of us. And so hence he uses the term communication. And so we are calling them to submit to God too as king. 
So then in book three, it's rather dark, and maybe that's why it's a brown color here on this handout. <laughs> but Psalm 73 to 89 emphasizes Israel in exile, the devastation that they faced when both the northern and southern kingdoms were taken into exile for their sin. Then in book four, Psalms 90 to 106, they're still in exile, but they're learning what is most important. When everything is taken away from us, we focus on the most important things. And so Israel is in exile. They have no temple, no king, no promised land, no sacrifices, none of these things. And so they have to learn, relearn, really, what is most important. Which brings us then to book five, Psalms 107 to 150. We begin with God hearing the cries of his people and God restoring his people to the promised land and back to himself. And so because of this, there are so many psalms in this book that praise God, that give him thanks, that exalt him. And we've seen that in Psalm 107, and we're going to see it again here in this psalm. Okay? And, and another aspect of book five is there's now more of a forward-looking uh, aspect to it. You, you, you do see ideas of the Messiah to come in the other books, but this one we see more specifically uh, in that way. So if you turn here in this handout again to the back there, diagram five with book five, um, we have Psalm 107, of course, but then look at Psalms 111 to 117. These all go together, and these are the hallelujah psalms. There, there are different sections of them, and here's one of them. But notice how there is a messianic psalm that precedes that, Psalm 110, and one that follows it, Psalm 118. And so we begin and end the, the praise section with focusing on the Messiah. And these two psalms are the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. And so it's very deliberately arranged here in this way. And so... No surprise, we're giving thanks. So we begin Psalm 107, book 5, with 13 commands to praise. And then we have Psalms 111 to 117, these seven psalms that focus on praise. And even here in Psalm 108, there's praise at the beginning as well. Okay? We can never praise our God enough. All right, now, <clears throat> let me also have us think through this a moment. The reason why we praise 111 to 117 is because the Messiah, the king, the Davidic monarchy is emphasized in Psalm 110. The initial point is that uh, the monarchy of David is restored, but it's going to be in a new way. It's going to have this messianic focus. Okay? But then you have Psalms 108 and 109. They prepare us for Psalm 110. Okay. All three of them, you see, are Psalms of David. And so the original application was in the days of David, but these here, of course, are put after the exile, after they've come back. And so there's a slightly different application. And, of course, we then make application today, now that Christ has come. So how does Psalm 108 and Psalm 109 prepare for Psalm 110? Well... We'll see that maybe especially next week with Psalm 108, and then Psalm 109, we'll see some of those things that will prepare us for it too. All right, so <clears throat> here's some of our broad thought, how it's fitting together. Again, this isn't just an academic exercise. We're just trying to understand God's word here. 
All right, so let's then turn to our handout here from Psalm 108 and the translation. And if you look at the back there, only one page here since it's a shorter psalm for us, you'll see the outline. Verses 1 to 5 and verses 6 to 13. And there's really no, no debate on how to do that. <laughs> now, some may try to subdivide it a little bit, but it's very straightforward here in this way. And that's because those verses are actually from other psalms. So let me show you. Okay. Um, and, well, let me just say it here first, and then we'll turn to it. Verses 1 to 5 come from Psalm 57, verses 7 to 11. Verses 6 to 13 come from Psalm 60, verses 5 to 12. And so we'll look at that in more detail here in a moment. Now notice then that both of those psalms come from book 2. So remember what I just said. The theme of book 2 is that there is opposition that David is facing, but there is this focus on spreading the word to the nations. And we see that here in these psalms. Note also, if you remember what we had said before, in book two, the key name of God is Elohim, not Yahweh. So if you look at your statistics, note Yahweh is only used once, Elohim six times. Whereas in Psalm 107, it was Yahweh 12 times and Elohim not at all. So that's why we have the difference, because of where it's coming from, basically. So Psalm 107, our covenant Lord gathers and restores. Now Psalm 108, our creator God is our help and is worthy of praise for his grace too. We're not talking about two different gods. We're talking about the same God with different names that emphasize different aspects of who he is. And since it's the same God, we give him praise. Now you see God is referenced 32 times altogether with the pronouns. And then note, you have first person pronouns. We don't have second and third um, uh, in, in other than the ones that refer to God. And so note some of that emphasis. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's turn over then to the title. Psalm 107 did not have one, but here we do. And it says, a song, a psalm of David. Okay, pretty straightforward. They sang it. Hey, David Surely would have sung it himself, but also it was sung as a nation, as, as uh, Israel as a whole. Now, as for psalm, remember that has a specific meaning. Yes, we talk about the psalms, and there are 150 psalms, okay, but it has a specific meaning, which means to make music or to pluck an instrument, or sometimes it's translated as sing or to praise, okay, but it has this idea of using instruments to praise God. So this isn't an a cappella song here, but there's an instrument. Okay? Obviously, we use the piano uh, here. And then we see that it's written by David. Okay? So now, let's turn to Psalm 57. <clears throat> Psalm 57. Now, if you were noticing... I used these verses for the call to worship, the ones from Psalm 57. All right. Now, if you look at, first of all, the title of Psalm 57, notice 
the context here. <clears throat> to the chief musician, right? So they sang it to the, the, the whole nation sang it. Set to do not destroy, which probably is a tune, right? The instruments played that tune. A miktam of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. So here's our historical context. Okay? David is lamenting. He is struggling. He is having a bad night, you might say, because Saul is after him. So now let's hear what he says in this context. Verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Selah. Now let me just pause there briefly. I, I'm not going to go through all those verses in detail, but do you, do you hear the basic point? Right? He's being chased by Saul. Hey, and, and, and he's, he's afraid. And so he's crying out to God to help him. Now, do you hear the mixture, the back and forth? There's some praise from God. There's some, there's some hope and confidence. And yet, you know, I need help, Lord. Well, now the rest of the psalm is what we have in Psalm 108. So verse 7, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory, awake, lute and harp, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Obviously, something changed, right? <laughs> David is lamenting, he's struggling, and now it's all about praise. Here in the rest of the psalm. All right, now, today, let's just briefly look at Psalm 60. We'll look at it in more detail, Lord willing, next time. But in Psalm 60, all I want us to do at this point is just to show you the title. To the chief musician set to Lily of the Testimony, a miktam of David, for teaching. When he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria of Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. So you see that the context is a similar one. Right? There's, there's opposition. And in this opposition, in this battle, David is crying for help. Verses 1 to 4 is that emphasis. And as we'll see next time, there's a specific emphasis about God and his part in all of this. And then verses 5 to 12, those verses are what are now in Psalm 108. So the final compiler or compilers of the Psalms, okay, they put these two Psalms together. And notice they don't put together the lament portions. They put together the praise and confidence portions. Rather interesting, isn't it? And so Psalm 108 is, can you say, more positive 
It's taking a situation of trouble, but emphasizing the praising of God, the confidence and hope that we have. And doesn't that make sense? Psalm 107 just talked about God brought us back from exile. So, so they're not going to focus on the hardship because they're back in the promised land now. So there is this emphasis on praising God. Now, as we'll see, Lord willing, next week, Israel still had people harassing them, especially the Edomites and Canaanites. Remember, they're trying to rebuild the temple and the wall and so on and some of the hardships they faced. And so this is likely why Psalm 60 was picked because of the mention of Edom. Uh, but again, we'll say more about that next time. But do you see what's happening? Do you see our first point here, our first thing to apply, is look how they interpret scripture and apply it to themselves. They take something that was written roughly 500 years before applied to David in that situation and context. And then they apply it with the appropriate changes to their current context. You see how they're doing that. And that's something that I do all the time. Here's what it originally means. Okay, now how does it apply to us today? Okay, we account for some differences and changes now that Christ has come. We account for some differences and changes because we live here in Western PA and not the Middle East and so forth, right? But we see this pattern already in the text itself. And so <clears throat> that's our really our first main point to learn from the text. Understand God's word. Understand its original point. And then you can apply it in your current situation. What so often happens is people say, well, I read the Bible. What does it mean for me? <laughs> well, you can't answer that question until you first find out, find out what it meant for, in this case, David and so forth. All right. So <clears throat> let's come back then to Psalm 57 and let's look at these five verses in more detail. I've given you the broad point. So now let's look at the details. Okay. And, again, remember, David is in the cave of Adullam. He is hiding out, or he's in a cave, I should say. He's hiding out from Saul. So which, which cave episode is it? There are two. One is the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Uh, this is after he was in Gath. And remember, David played like he was crazy. And he, he got out, and he went to the cave of Adullam. Now, David was basically alone at this point. He may have had some people with him at first, but very few. Now, more people came. But as we read through Psalm 57, you wonder, is this, does this fit basically being alone in the cave of Adullam? Now, the other scenario is in 1 Samuel chapter 24, when David is in the cave near En Gedi. And there he has his 600 men with him. And remember, that's the story where Dave's in the cave and Saul then comes in to go to the bathroom. And David, right, creeps up, cuts off the edge of the robe and so forth. So that's the context there. So you have people with varying opinions. Does Psalm 57 apply to the cave of Adalam or the one near En Gedi? And, and they go back and forth. I'm not sure we can say for sure. But in both cases, David is crying out for help. 
when he is nearly alone in the cave of Adalam, or when 3,000 soldiers are right outside the cave and the king just walked into your cave you're trying to hide in. You can understand why David is crying out for help. Okay. Now that's our context, but he does transition then to confidence and praise. So let me read for us here then Psalm 57, verses 7 and 8. Again, this is the New King James. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory, awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. All right, now let's read Psalm 108. And I've got here, of course, my translation. And it says, and again, I'm doing, it's a bit more literal, but it says this. My heart is being established, O God. Let me sing. Let me make music, even with my glory. Be awakened, O harp and lyre. Let me awaken the dawn. All right, now, first of all, there are, a couple differences between Psalm 57 and Psalm 108. Notice, first of all, my heart is steadfast is repeated in Psalm 57, and it's not in Psalm 108. It's probably because Psalm 57 verse 1 begins with a repetition. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. But Psalm 108 did not keep up that, that pattern. Okay. And then the other change is the word for glory is in a different verse. It goes with a different line. Okay. <clears throat> but otherwise, it's identical. Everything else is the same. So what's our point? Well, David now is confident. He is steadfast. He's wanting to sing. He's, he's not focusing on Saul coming after him. He is focusing now on his God. He is singing to him. Now, if you look at uh, my note here with verse 1, the word for sing, let me sing, right? You've got the noun in the title. It's a song. And then you have the word to make music. That's actually the verb form for psalm. So those go together as well. David here is very different in his focus. Now, in the next verse there, it suggests to us that David had been crying out all night. It doesn't specifically say that, but the fact that he is awakening the dawn suggests to us that he's been up for a good part of the night. He's been stressed. He's been worried. He is anxious. And again, here in Psalm 57, that's verses 1 to 6. But now, he's awakening with confidence. He's awakening with song. He's, he's uh, asking God, basically, to help him. Right? Let me sing. These are actually petitions. Help me to sing, Lord. Help me to make music. Okay? And, and then he's commanding his instruments to wake up in verse 2. Okay? And, and then help me to awaken the dawn. It, you know, the birds aren't even singing yet, but I'm going to sing. The sun isn't starting to brighten the sky yet, but I'm going to sing. Even though I've been up most of the night, stressed out, I'm going to praise my God here this morning. Do you see the change here? Okay. All four of the main verbs in verses 1 and 2 are commands. The very first one about being established as a participle, but all the rest 
our commands. David is asking God to help him. In a sense, you could say David is rousing himself up. He's, he's wanting the dawn to hurry up. He, he's wanting his instruments to start playing. Now, obviously, this is some figurative language, but, but do you hear what he is saying? His attitude is so different. His tongue is saying different words. And he wants the core of his being, his glory, his, his dignity and worth to be basically exalting his God. Now, just briefly, remember the words for harp and lyre are actually a little bit different. The word for harp is the hard, solid body harp. And the one for lyre is the hollow body one. So it's like an electric guitar versus an acoustic guitar. It's the basic difference there. So um, I, I think we have a bit of a challenge here, don't we? All of us, at some point in time, have laid in bed and we can't sleep because we're upset about something, we're concerned about something or whatever, right? Maybe somebody is after us. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's some other issue. But we've all been there, right? But do we then do what David does here? And we wake up first thing in the morning with a different attitude. That God is the one who is worthy of our praise. There's no indication in Psalm 57 that Saul has gone away. Okay? The problem is still there, but David's attitude is different. So like we saw in Psalm 107, there are those 13 commands to praise and give thanks. So if we're not doing that, if our singing is half-hearted, if we're bored during worship, if we're daydreaming or clock watching, you know, all these things are, are actually offensive to our God. And we all have done them, right? But our whole being must be confident and engage in our worship. You remember when Paul Munson would say to us, and he said it several different times, worship is hard work. Worship is one of the most difficult things that we do in life. And he's right, because we're so easily distracted. Satan is trying to hinder our worship. It is so easy for us to be more concerned about the person in front of us or behind us or whatever. It's so easy for us to be more concerned about various aspects of the service or what's going on outside or what we're going to do afterward or something to that effect. It's so easy for us to use the excuse, well, I'm just tired. I I, I can't stay awake or, or I can't understand what the pastor's saying or, you know, my tie is crooked or, you know, whatever it is. Using the language of Psalm 107, right? We're being rebellious fools when we do that. We're being disobedient to these commands. And so here is David now asking God to help him. We need that help too. We too must be steadfast. And we too must basically rouse ourselves up to worship. Now, when I say these things, I'm speaking to myself, too. Okay? I was just over there playing the piano, and I was having a hard time paying attention to any of the words. But even when I'm not playing, 
I don't have the best voice in the world. <clears throat> so when I'm singing, I, I'm often focusing on actually singing and don't pay as much attention to what I'm singing. Um, if somebody else is praying, my mind can wander. I mean, it, it's not just these words for you. It's for me, too. I'm speaking to myself. I'm a rebellious fool frequently. Even this morning, we had this discussion with our boys. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> But do you see here the benefits, the blessings? Do you see the attitude of David? Okay. There is a, an implicit challenge for us to be like David here. But oh, what a blessing it is. When we wake up in the morning and we can have a different view. Even if there's still problems, we can have a different view because of who our God is. Right? He gathers us. Back to himself. He restores us. His covenant love. Remember all the things we saw in Psalm 107. Now you notice I went from David to ourselves. But what about those after the exile? The application here in Psalm 108 are to the people who you might say are no longer being chased by Saul. They're back in the promised land. Babylon is in the rearview mirror, so to speak. And so they can focus here on this praise. But as we'll see from Psalm 60 and thus the rest of Psalm 108, it's not like they don't have any more problems. But at this point, do you see this emphasis? We've been restored. So let's praise our God. Let's waken the dawn and sing our praises to him. All right, well, let's keep going. Obviously, we could say more here, but <clears throat> if you look first at Psalm 57 and verse 9, it says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. Okay, now let's read Psalm 108. And my translation says, I will praise you among the peoples, O Yahweh, and I will make music to you among the people groups. All right, first of all, the only difference between the two psalms is the name of God. You see in Psalm 57, it's the name Lord with lowercase letters, so that's Adonai. In Psalm 108, it's Lord with uppercase letters, that's Yahweh, okay, his covenant name. And so there is that change that they made. Okay. <clears throat> Probably because of the influence of Psalm 107. Okay. But note that change. Otherwise, all the rest are the same. Okay. So as you look at these two lines, you see how they're rhyming, same, saying the same basic thing, so much so you call it synonymous. Note also that the word for praise is the same word for Judah that we had in Psalm 107. And the word for make music is the word for psalm again. So that takes us back to verse 1 in the title. Also, there are two different words for peoples. Okay? Now, in my second uh, word there, I have a description. There's a, a big exegetical question. And without getting into all the details, this is clearly the most difficult thing to translate in the psalm. And it has to do, if you look at the second line and go all the way over to the Hebrew, do you see that little dash between the two words? That's the question. It makes no sense to have the dash in there. 
It makes more sense to put it all together. So I am not completely satisfied with any of the answers, but the one that probably makes most sense is that, you know how you have a bunch of papers, right? And you're carrying them around and your pen accidentally makes a mark on the paper. Maybe that's what happened here. We don't know. But without that little dash, it makes a lot of sense among the people groups. So that's how I've gone with it, but there are a lot of questions there. But assuming that's right, do you hear our point? David is no longer commanding, asking God here to help him. He is now saying, this is what I'm going to do. I will praise you. Note, not in the cave. I will praise you among the nations, he says. So David obviously is talking about something that is going to happen in the future. David will worship his God his Lord, his master, his covenant Lord, and he's going to do it everywhere, not just in the cave, not just at home or at church, you might say, not just with fellow believers, but even among unbelievers, because the God of Israel is not a local deity. Again, obviously David can't do this yet, but he will. In um, 1 Samuel 21, David is in Philistia. In 1 Samuel 22, after the cave of Adullam, he goes to Moab. Later, he goes back to Philistia. And of course, when he becomes king, there are many times where he could speak these things among the nations. So David, in one sense, can't do this yet, but he will. Okay. Remember, book two, okay, opposition, but a focus outward to the nations. And that's clearly what we see here. So let me now then have us think about this in Psalm 108 context. They're back from exile. So what are they going to do? Are they just going to hole up in Jerusalem and tell one another about the great things of God? Yes, but not just that. They must praise their God, their covenant Lord, among the nations. The Canaanite peoples around them, the Edomites, and so forth. This is what they're going to do. So then as we talk about application for ourselves, we first need to make the application for the Gentiles. I will praise you among the peoples, among the Gentiles. This, This has the idea of Gentile inclusion. And so there's fulfillment in this way. Now that Christ has come, we can praise our God like this. Even us today. So today then, if we uh, expand it to the next level, we live in a nation that is not Christian. We live in a nation that is filled with unbelievers, with neo-pagans, neo-Marxists, nice people, very mean people, you know, whatever. Let's praise our God among the nations. This nation. We don't have to be a missionary. We just have to walk across the street many times to our neighbors, to our co-workers. Let's praise our God there, not just here, at church, not just at home. But David's going to do this, and let's do the same thing. Which brings us then to the next verse. So again, let's start in Psalm 57, verse 10. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. And then if you look at Psalm 108, verse 4, 
For greater than above the heavens is your covenant love, and as far as the clouds is your truth. Now, the only difference between the two is the one preposition. Okay? In Psalm 57, it's under the heavens, unto the clouds. In Psalm 108, verse 4, it's greater than above the heavens, and then under the clouds, or as far as the clouds. So it's an even greater idea in this case. Note the parallelism here as well. Okay. So do you see how the flow of thought is happening? Right? The flow of thought is simply, I have confidence. Well, why do I have confidence? Okay. I want to sing and praise God. Well, why should I do that? I should tell the nations. Well, why am I going to tell the nations? Well, here it is. It's because of God's chesed, his covenant love. This is why we tell the nations. This is why we sing in praise. This is why we have confidence, even when we're lying in bed stressed out about something. It's because God loves us. And, it, and his love is even higher than the heavens. And his truth, this is the Hebrew word emeth, so it has the idea of faithfulness, truthfulness. Not just truth versus error, but truthfulness and faithfulness. Veracity might be a word that we could use here. And that is up to the clouds. God is, his love and truth is so great. This is why we have confidence. This is why we praise. God has entered into this relationship with us. And God has made promises to us. And he won't break those promises. Even when we're sitting in a cave and someone's trying to kill us. Those things don't change. That's why we have confidence and hope. That is why he is worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving. And so whether it's Saul after us or Babylon, whether it's the Edomites or the globalists today, whoever it is, none of these things hinders God's love, his grace, his truth, and so if you are hiding in a cave or hiding in a closet from wicked people, never forget the greatness of God and his ways. Even if you're lying in your comfortable bed, tossing and turning, don't forget who our God is and what he has done. And so this is why we praise and give thanks to our God. And so, our last verse then, start with Psalm 57, verse 11. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And now, Psalm 108, verse 5. Be exalted above the heavens, O God, and above all the earth your glory. So the only difference is the and in the second line. Everything else is the same. And, of course, your English will smooth it out. Note the parallelism. Note the ellipsis there. Hey, David isn't just asking for help to praise. He isn't just saying, I'm going to praise among the nations. He actually is praising God right here in this verse. Now, let me call your attention to this here just a moment. In verse 10 of Psalm 57, it says, right, mercy and truth, or hesed and emeth. And if you go back to uh, verse 3, you have the same words. Now, here in verse 11, we have this verse, and if you go back to verse 5, you see it's the same thing. It's a refrain in Psalm 57. 
Okay. Well, that refrain now is brought into Psalm 108. David isn't just talking about praise. He's actually doing it. Now, if I could connect this just a moment to Saul himself. In 1 Samuel, and of course I'm preaching through that right now in the evening. Saul talks about God, but you never hear him praise God. He never says, Yahweh, my God. He'll say, Yahweh, your God, but he never says, Yahweh, my God. David isn't like that. He's not saying, we need to praise. I want to praise. I'm going to praise. He actually does praise right here in this verse. And so let's do that. God is worthy to be exalted, to be praised, to receive glory because of his character and his ways, because of his being and because of his works. He is exalted above all of our foes. All the reasons why we toss and turn at night. So again, whether it's Saul or Babylon or Edom or some people we know or some rulers in our own land, Hey, even those highlighted with red lights on Thursday evening, um, you know, <coughs> are, you know, whether we're talking about our old man that resists praise and succumbs to apathy and fear, God's above all of that. So, right, we praise him. And so here then... <coughs> is the point of Psalm 108, at least this first part, how it connects to Psalm 57 and how it has some relevance for us. God still rules over all. God's covenant love has not changed for us now 3,000 years later. God's faithfulness to his promises are the same today as they were for David. And so we can be steadfast and we must praise him. So tonight, or tomorrow night, or some night this week that you have a hard time sleeping or falling asleep, remember these words. Remember the confidence and hope that we can have in our God. And so as we prayed earlier, hallowed be your name. That's Psalm 57, verse 11, Psalm 108, verse 5. Same sentiment. All right, well, Lord willing, next time we will finish this psalm, and so um, let's pray together. Our Father and God, we thank you for your word, and in this case, your word is somewhat um, more complicated as it fits together with other passages and so forth, Um, but we thank you for that too, because we can see then how your word applies to David and then to your people 500 years later, and to us today, many, many centuries later. We thank you, Lord, that, that we can have confidence and hope because of who you are and what you have done. Lord, we pray that this would be true for us when things are going well, that we would praise you and give you uh, all the glory that you deserve. But we pray especially, Lord, when we are struggling, Maybe somebody is out to get us. Maybe it's some other reason that is causing us anxiety. But we pray, Lord, that we would remember these truths and that we too would awaken 
and that we would give you the praise and the glory that you deserve, that we would um, uh, awaken the dawn even, and the birds and so forth, to give you all the praise that you deserve. And so, Lord, we do ask, like David, for your help in it, and that you would be honored and glorified, and that you would extend your kingdom among us. We pray all these things then in Christ's name. Amen.